You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Well, hello, it's Bernadette back with episode 13 of 14 Days to a Beautiful New Bathroom. Before we get into today's episode, I want to share some exciting news. On Monday, we opened up a brand new free Facebook group called She Renovates. Now, the intention of that group is to firstly to, I guess, inform the topics that we cover in the podcast to make sure that I'm hitting the mark in terms of the content. And the second one is to build a community of renovators who are interested in supporting one another to transform their income and their lives through renovating. So it's it's really our mission And so it's just an extension of the podcast. So I'd really love you to come over and join. And in order to find us, you just need to go over to Facebook and search She Renovates. And when you get to the group, it's a closed group, um, you'll find that there is a little application process. I actually don't think it's that onerous, but you just need to answer a couple of questions. And we have a couple of my team manning that. One of them is my daughter number three, Madeline. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you in there. Given that we're just about finished the bathroom mini series, I'm planning to run a little bathroom competition over there. So look out for that. It'll be happening in the next couple of days and I will give you details in the upcoming episodes. So let's get into it. So today we're going to be talking about the order of work. And as we go along, I'll give you a few tips with each of the trades. And yeah, let's get started. So basically, in this episode, I'm assuming that the bathroom, there's not going to be any significant changes to the layout. So it's fairly straightforward and no council approval required. So before we start with anything, we need to have our materials ordered, the work tendered and awarded, have selected your trades and have them lined up ready to go. And before the demolisher comes in, you want to bring in your plumber and electrical contractor to terminate the services. So the plumber will terminate the water so that the tapware and basins and toilets can be removed. And the electrician will do the same with the power and make sure that it is safe, which is critical step in the process. Once that's all done, then the demolisher can come in. But before that happens, make sure you mark anything that you're planning to keep because they tend to come through and just clear everything in their way. So be really clear about what stays and what goes so there's no confusion. Often what happens when the tiles are coming off the wall is that part of the wall comes off too and you usually end up having to make good afterwards. If those walls are masonry then you're going to have to render and unfortunately render slows the process up because it takes so long to dry. Often you can have to leave it up to a week to dry before you can go on to the next trade but if the walls are timber frame you can actually just sheet the walls which is much quicker, be done in a day, and then you're on to the next thing the next day. But before you do any of that, the next step is to bring a builder or carpenter in to construct any new stud walls that we generally end up putting some sort of 
false wall in to house an in-wall cistern or to put niches in the shower recess. You know, if you've got brick walls, you can't have niches unless you have a, unless you cut out the brick. What we usually do is just build a false wall. Also, if you're putting in a bath to build that up, either in stud or brickwork. And once that's done, the first fix can happen. So the plumber and the electrician come in and do their rough in. So if you're changing over from hot and cold taps to mixers, that breaching piece from the mixer tap will be cut into the wall and, you know, the toilet set up. So everything is positioned in the right place. You will need to be on site that day because there will be questions asked about where do you want this and that. So you need to make decisions about how you want things placed. That can sometimes be tricky because when the bathroom looks like a bomb site and you have to visualize where you want, you know, say the basin to be placed, it can be hard to visualize that. And also in terms of measurements, we usually measure, you know, from the finished floor level. Well, if there's no floor and no tiles, you have to estimate, you know, how thick that's going to be to figure out the right height for putting your toilet system or whatever. That part can be a little bit challenging. Of course, there's usually not a lot of wiring to happen in the bathroom, but often you'll need to put in an extra power point. So if you're putting in a heated towel rail, you might need to put power in for under tile heating. So all those things happen. And then when that's done, what I usually do is take a photo of the walls. And the reason being is that once the walls are closed up and say you're drilling in for tower rails and whatever, you really want to know where that pipework and wiring is so you don't drill through it because that can be a bit of a, a nuisance when you do that. And also it's good to keep with the property because if you do ever have leaks, you're usually able to, you know, identify, you know, what the problem is if you've got, you know, a photo of where the plumbing goes. So once the first fix is finished, then you can look at closing up the walls. And of course, if you've got timber frame, then that's that's a case of wall sheeting, waterproof, of course, and rendering. So often, you know, the shower recess will need to be rendered, which is, as I mentioned, is a wet, messy job and it can slow down the renovation because it takes a while to dry. But anyhow, let's assume you don't have to do that and it's just sheeted over and then we're on to the waterproofing. So I guess the main thing you need to know about waterproofing is give your waterproofer a key so that he or she can come and go and get those coats on. Most systems are either two or three coats and can be done in two days. So if it's a three coat, they'll usually do one in the morning of the first day, one at night, and then the third one the next day. Otherwise, it's just one each day. But you do need to make sure you get a certificate for that. If you're selling the property, that will be required. And if you're renovating in a building, in an apartment building, the owner's corporation will want to see it and you want to keep that for your own benefit. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this when we're talking trades, but you want to make sure that your tiler and your waterproofer are the same person if possible. It just saves you a lot of headaches because once the waterproofing is done, you really need to look after that membrane. And, you know, if you've got tilers coming through who've not waterproof, often they cannot be as careful as they should be. They might break a tile on it and not reinstate the waterproofing membrane where all of a sudden it's lost its integrity. So it's enough said about waterproofing. Next thing is you bring your tiler in and that is a 
two and a half to three day process. So you have the floor screed, which is the topping, which creates the fall. So it's sand and cement that the tiler will mix up in the bathroom and, and screed it out. And he'll also set up for the floor wastes and then let it dry. Incidentally, in apartment buildings these days, we're waterproofing both under the screed and on top of it, so it's double layer. Just really belt and braces approach to making sure there are no leaks into the apartment below. So if you're going to do that and you're in an apartment, you'll need to bring your waterproofer back to do the whole process again on top of that screed. Then the next step is the floor tiles. So my advice here is make sure you're on site the day they start so that you are involved in the layout of the tiles are set out because, you know, you want to know that you're not going to end up with strange cuts or grout uh, lines misaligning. So sometimes in order to get it to look good, you might need to start with a whole tile in the middle of the room and work out. It just depends a lot on the scenario, but just be there and be involved in that conversation about how the tiles are going to be laid out. Same with the wall tiles. So you work out in full tiles what sort of cut you're going to end up with at the top. And it may mean that you start with a cut tile so you're not ending up with a tiny slither of tile at the top of the wall. I actually like to take the cornices off and tile to the ceiling and so that you have a nice square set edge. The problem that can arise is that the cornice is actually covering a space because the ceiling sheeting hasn't come across and met the wall so there's a gap in there that has to be patched but I still think it's worth doing it's a much cleaner look. Some people worry that their ceiling's not flat enough so that it'll look wavy but really when you're looking from standing on the floor looking up like no ceiling is ever perfectly flat you really struggle to see if it's not perfect and so once the tiling and the grouting's done, please remember not to grout the corner joints between the floor and the wall and the corners of the walls. They need to be siliconed. So if your tiler doesn't do siliconing, you can probably get your builder to do that, but um, that's an important step. So once the tiler's finished, you're really on the homeward run. And so now you're up to the second fix. You also want to get your shower screen measured up. So that can be made up, but then the plumber will come back in and fix, fit off the tapware, the toilet, the shower, the bath, everything. And same with the electrician. If you, you have an off-the-shelf vanity, generally the plumber will install the vanity as well. But if you have, you know, if you have a custom-made one, usually the joiner does it. So there's a bit of juggling around to get the work to happen and have things ready because the basin can't go in until the vanity and the top's gone on. So there's a bit of coordination there. Okay, so once the second fix is complete, what there is to do now is installation of the finishing touches, the shower screen, the mirror or mirrored cabinets, the accessories as in the toilet roll holders, the towel rails, and then the last trade is the painter. I actually leave the painter to very last or in this case the only thing that we haven't done is the window dressings but other than that everything else gets finished because if you bring your painter in too early 
you end up having to bring them back because it gets the painting gets damaged with other trades in the room and so I like to leave it to very last so that when it's finished the job's finished. So there's not a lot of painting in a bathroom just you know say the ceiling maybe door frame door and window frame and then you're up to cleaning. So cleaning is a bit of a contract because every square centimeter of tile needs to be gone over at least twice because it gets that film of grout and so you need to clean it and polish it so it looks pristine and then once the bathroom is cleaned you can then style and one more task before you can declare it complete is to actually use all the components of the bathroom. So have a shower, make sure that all your new plumbing is working well and there's no blocks in pipes and everything is functioning as it should. Okay, so that is episode 13 complete and I will see you back here tomorrow for our very last episode in 14 days to a new bathroom. In actual fact, this episode is going to be how to renovate a bathroom in 14 days. So how that works and I'll see you then. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.